This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi everyone, this is Delfina Correa from Be Made Whole and the John Maxwell team. I'd like to ask you a question today. Do you have a, con- a difficult conversation that you need to have? Have you been evading a, a confrontation that you need to have with someone? Is there a problem that you've been putting off that needs to be addressed? Today, I'm going to talk about conducting difficult conversations. I'm hoping to give you some tools on how you can successfully conduct conduct every difficult conversation that you might face. Now, successfully conducting a difficult conversation doesn't mean that uh, you win and you're right in every conversation. A successful uh, being successful in conducting this type of conversation. It means that at the end result, the problem is solved and everybody wins. So I'm hoping to give you some tools today that you can take on that difficult conversation that you need to have. But before I start, I would like to uh, just uh, give you a comparison of three different kinds of people when it comes to having a conversation. You get a talker. A talker is someone who uses the right words. They're very eloquent. Uh, in their words, they're very clear about their words. They are never misunderstood. People know exactly what is being said. And there's value to that. You'll never get misunderstood probably. But there's a higher level of having of a conversation that you can have and interacting with people. And that is to be a, uh, a communicator. Communicators are people that don't focus so much on using the right words, but they do focus on using their words right. Good communicators know uh, that they're aware, at least, of the tone of their voice, the facial expression, the body language, timing, all those things that go together with communicating. People who are salespeople uh, normally do, they do courses on communication, and they think of all these other aspects so that they can sell you anything, even their grandmother. And there's value in that. Um as long as you're not trying to deceive someone, uh, there's value in getting people to believe you or follow you or agree with you uh, by using those skills. Uh, as long as, like I said, you're not trying to deceive them. Uh, and if you're selling something, you'd probably get it right to make a sale if your communication skills are good. But you see, talkers and communicators, they are focused on getting what they want. But then there's a higher level, and that is a connector. A connector is not trying to get anything from you. A connector is trying to give to you. That's the giver. And a connector goes to the other side and tries to see things from the other person's perspective. A connector is more focused on guarding, restoring, or building that relationship, whatever the situation may be. The relationship is of key importance to that person, and that person always wants the win-win situation. They don't have to be right. They don't have to have the last word. They just want everybody to win at the end of the conversation. And it's, you know, when you're having conversations about the weather and what you did yesterday and and a superficial kind of conversation, a shallow kind of conversation, you don't notice the difference between these three kinds of people. But when you have a difficult conversation, that's when it shows up. That's when you see the difference between the talkers, the communicators and the connectors. And today I'm going to show you how you can be a good connector 
when you are work, dealing with a difficult conversation so that everybody wins in the end. So let's create a scenario. Let's say something has happened and you need to have a difficult conversation with someone, uh, like a confrontation of some sort. And it's difficult, it's uncomfortable, uh, and you don't really want to do it. But here, here's the thing. I'm going to give you the tools so that you don't have to be nervous or afraid of that difficult conversation. First of all, you need to schedule a meeting with a person. The situation has already happened. And I would say schedule a meeting with that person privately and as soon as possible. The reason why I say privately is you don't want to talk about a problem that someone has caused in front of everybody. Uh, you might not be easily embarrassed, but that person might be. And you don't want to embarrass them unnecessarily. Uh, me by nature, um, I'm not an, uh, a shy person. I don't easily get embarrassed. So I've got to always consider the other person because most people will more easily get embarrassed than me. So that's why we do things privately. I've often said things and afterwards realized, oops, I shouldn't have said that in front of everyone, but it's too late. You know, the words are out. So you don't want to embarrass a person. And I say as soon as possible because when you uh, when something has happened, you want the memory of what happened to be fresh, especially if you've got to go through what transpired and the negative impact and all that kind of thing. You want people to have still remember what happened. The other reason why we do it as soon as possible is that, uh, you know, procrastination ends up causing us not, never to attend to it. If you keep putting things off, you normally end up never dealing with it and never facing it and never getting to the solution. Um, someone once said, truth has no special time of its own. The time is now always. What he was saying is, he wasn't saying do it immediately. Sometimes you need people to cool off a little bit and you've got to give them a chance to do that if you want to solve the issue constructively. Uh, but what he was saying is don't just put it off. If you keep putting it off, it's never going to get, it's never going to happen. You're never going to resolve the problem. So now that we've scheduled the meeting, now there's a space of time between the scheduling of the meeting and the actual meeting. In that time, you've got to deal with your heart. You've got to assume good motives. Not only do you have to assume that that person did not have an evil intention, you got to, you want to believe the best of that person, but you also want to assume good motives for yourself. You want to take on, assume or take on good motives. That means I'm not planning on going in there with my guns blazing and saying, uh, you did this and this is the problem and you're the problem and, and accusing the person. It means that I'm going to go in there because I want to build. I'm going to go in there because I've got a problem that I want to solve. And I want to separate the person from the problem. So I'm going to go in with a good motive. I want it to be a win-win situation right at the end. And I don't want uh, that person to be demeaned or broken down by the conversation. So I prepare my heart so that I will go in with the right motives. And I believe the best of that person. Now, of course, uh, some things are obvious that they are evil intention. Uh, for instance, if a guy robs a bank, it's obviously an evil intention. Uh, but I'm not talking about extreme cases like that. I'm talking about the regular difficult conversations in everyday life that we need to have that is part of life. In the home, in a business setup, when things go wrong and we need to talk about it, I'm talking about those kind of scenarios, which is the bulk of the kind of difficult conversations that we have in life. It's the everyday things. Okay, so now we've prepared our heart and we're ready and it's the day of the meeting, the day or the time of the meeting. So now we're going to go into the meeting and the first thing we need to do is we got to validate the person and our relationship with them. Uh, things like uh, when you have a meeting, especially in a work environment where you it's a leader calling in a subordinate, 
that person's already nervous because they've been called in. So, or if a parent calls a child in for a private meeting, they might be nervous already about it. So you want to make that person comfortable because when people are more comfortable, they're going to open their heart more. They're going to speak more freely. And there's a higher chance that you'll come to a solution. So you want to validate them saying things like, um, uh, I need to talk about something, but I'm not trying to accuse you. I'm not blaming you. We just need to solve a problem, and I want us to work together. I value our relationship. I don't want this to cause a problem in our relationship. So um, I just need to talk about this. So now they know that you are not against them. Now they know that I'm not a problem. It's just the situation that is the problem. And it it helps them to separate themselves from the, the situation. It's like that saying, separate the sin from the sinner. So uh, now we're going to start to talk. So before we begin talking about the problem, we need to express our commitment to help. We've got to say things like, um, I'm, I'm having this meeting. This is the problem, but I'm having it because I want to help. I want us to make things better. Um, and maybe you can help me. Uh, let it be a thing that you work together to solve the problem. And now this person who's created a problem suddenly feels like they are part of the solution. They're no longer part of the problem. They are immediately put into a position of empowerment and validation that they can now become a part of the solution, even though they might have caused a problem. So those are the first four steps. A meeting, a, a schedule the meeting, assume good motives, validate the person and the relationship, and express your commitment to help. I would say do those in that, in that order. Of course, that's pretty logical that it would happen in that order. The next five steps... You can mix them around. It would, would depend on the conversation. Sometimes you have a, a difficult conversation with a difficult person, and that complicates it a bit. But because of that, you need to navigate your way through the conversation and know, according to these five points, which point you want to put in where. And remember, you're not trying to manipulate the conversation. What you're trying to do is end up with a win-win situation. You want to end up that at the end of the conversation, there's a solution in process, uh, you know, a solution in mind, and that the relationship has been protected, and guarded, and strengthened rather than broken down. So let's go to point number five now. I've got them in an order, but like I said, you can do it in any order. Uh, once uh, you validate the person and you've, uh, they know that you're on their side, you want to help. Now you got to talk about the problem. So. We're going to offer observations of specific behavior. In other words, stick to the facts. Stick to the facts of what happened. And we avoid things like assumptions or generalizations. Things like always and never. Ever heard that saying? Never say always and never because there's probably no such thing as that in most cases of situations we deal with. But we also don't want to assume. Assumptions are so dangerous. Uh, Assumptions can lead to so many misunderstandings. I want to tell you a funny story about assumptions. My own experience, uh, many years ago, I was driving down the road one day, and uh, as I went down the road, uh, I passed a car. And, and this in this car, I noticed the, the two people sitting in the front seats, the, the driver and the passenger, they were having a conversation. But um, they were getting so excited. Their hands were flying. It was going crazy. And I thought, oh, my goodness, these people are having a fight. Uh, I better pray, you know, um, just now they have an accident or, you know, and I started, you know, just I went down the road praying a storm you know lord help them to reach a solution uh, i rebuke strife lord protect them that they don't have an accident and don't let anybody hurt anybody and blah blah all the way down my huge prayer going down the road get to the traffic lights up ahead and uh, they were red so i stopped and this car pulls up next to me and they're still going and i'm thinking yo 
all that praying. But then I had some time now to look a bit closer. And I looked again and I noticed they weren't fighting at all. They were just speaking in sign language and they were just getting excited. Oh, my word, I had such a laugh at myself that day. And I immediately identified my assumption had caused me to go so off track. I assumed that they were fighting. And look at look at what I did in that assumption. So assumptions can really cause us to go off track. It can actually cause a lot of laughs. But on the serious side, assumptions can also cause a lot of problems. Assumptions can break and, and cause a huge divide in relationships. Assumptions about our spouses, about our, our, our co-workers working with us, about our children, about our parents. Assumptions about our friends can really cause a rift in a relationship and can cause so much trouble and damage. So we don't want to assume anything in this uh, conversation. We are going to be stick to the facts and be specific about what happened. Then we move to the next step where we're going to explain the negative impact of what happened. You see, if, that, if there was no negative impact, if that person did something that I didn't like, but there was no negative impact, then uh, there's no need for this conversation. The conversation should only be there if there was a negative impact. If there was no negative impact, then I need to go have a conversation with God so I can sort out my attitude because then I'm the one with the wrong attitude and the wrong heart towards that person. If I'm bothered by something someone does but it's got no negative impact, then it's me that has the problem. So there needs to be a, a negative outcome in the situation that we're dealing with. Once we've explained that, then we move to asking them their side of the story. After I've explained, you did this and this was the result, but tell me your side of the story. You know, a person feels far more valuable when they have a voice. They they can now tell you their side because there's always two sides to a story. It's never one side. Sometimes there's more than two sides. If there are more people involved in the story, you might find a third and a fourth angle to the story. But there's always another side to the story. And when we allow people to voice their side and their their opinion and their perception of what happened, it gives them value. And it also helps for them not to feel like they are the problem because they have an opinion to bring. Once they've given their side of the story, we need to now find a point of agreement. I would say that throughout the conversation, if you are the one who has the skills for handling a difficult conversation, then you should be intentional in the conversation looking for the common ground. Look for a point of agreement because if you're going to move forward to solve this problem and if you're going to work together to solve the problem, then you've got to start at a at a point of agreement, at a common ground. So throughout the conversation, you've got to be looking for that common ground. And once that person has given their side of the story, then then that's where you go. You go back to that common ground. Okay, well, let's start where we agree. We agree on this. Now let's work the next step. With a plan of action, let's set out a plan of action so that we can correct what has happened and avoid it, from, you know, to prevent it from happening again. We don't want the same problem to come up, so let's find a way to avoid it. And now, just remember that having a plan of action is one thing. Putting it actually into action is obviously something that will happen later. But the point is that you've covered a lot of ground by the time you have a plan of action. Once someone voices that they agree on a plan of action – there's a much higher chance that they are going to act on it than if there wasn't that discussion about the plan of action. I'd like to tell you my personal uh, experience with um, a difficult conversation. At the time, 
that I learned these principles, I was avoiding a difficult conversation with someone. It was a difficult conversation with someone who at that time was a difficult person. And it was a, a situation that I knew I had to address. It was very awkward, very difficult to confront, mostly because the person was difficult as well. But I decided I'm going to try these principles. I'm going to see if this works. Uh, of course, my situation was desperate. I needed, we had tried to solve the issue at hand a few times, but it wasn't working. So I was desperate for a solution. So I uh, set up the meeting. We went in, we had the discussion and everything was going hunky-dory, all going well, until we got to the point of a plan of action, the last point. And then that person just shut off. And they weren't willing to move forward. But in the time that when I realized that, I, I thought, you know what, I've covered a lot of ground and I was satisfied and I decided to end the meeting. So I went away and I meditated and I pondered on all the things that were said and how far we had come and, and I prayed about it and I thought about it and, and I decided to have another meeting. It's important that, that I um, share this part because you might need to have two meetings. If it doesn't, if you don't reach the end result with the first meeting, have a second one using the principles or maybe even a third one. Don't give up if you don't have a solution after the first meeting. So I scheduled a second meeting and the topic was a little bit more different, but it was just interesting that the proverbial door opened and I was able to bring up what was spoken up at the last meeting and that person was willing, being in a better space at that on that day, they were willing to move forward with a plan of action and we made a decision to do certain things to change the situation that we were in. So here's the thing. Don't give up. If it doesn't work on the first meeting, like I said earlier, it's good to have a plan of action. You, of course, still need to implement that. But look at the ground you've covered. Uh, you know, in any difficult conversation, there are two people involved and you don't have control over someone else's will, but you do have control over your will. And I believe uh, this is not a uh, like, a, you know, rub the a little lamp and the genie comes out and he gives you your wish. It doesn't mean you're just going to win every argument. But I do believe it means that your odds of successfully conducting a difficult conversation to the point that you reach a, a plan to solve the problem and to prevent the problem and that you, the relationship is still guarded and looked after and protected and that it's a win-win situation. I believe the odds of that all happening is far greater when you have these skills of conducting a difficult conversation. So uh, take heart. Whatever that conversation is that you've been avoiding, use these principles, and I believe that you will have success in the next difficult conversation. This is Delfina Correa. Thank you very much. If you want to know more about what I do, you're welcome to visit my website, bemadewhole.co.za, and there you'll find everything, my blog, the podcasts, the books that are on sale, and the courses that I give on personal development, uh, most of them John Maxwell courses. Um, I am licensed with the John Maxwell team as a team member of John Maxwell. And uh, there's also a contact form there. Please feel free to contact me with anything that you'd like to know. Thank you very much. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.